0: Get after it and go and fulfill that purpose Uh, today we don't actually have a guest but uh, i'm going to do uh, the yes or no segment we did this a couple weeks ago uh, i believe it was oh let me go look uh, episode 36 yes or no number one um so a little bit of backstory on this uh i am pretty big into political commentary i kind of explained this on yes or no number one but uh, I'm pretty big into political commentary. I I like politics. I like to get uh, current events and think about them and discuss them and uh, obviously political issues uh, that happen in our local, you know, state and federal government. Uh, I believe that the personal is political and obviously I have a whole podcast dedicated to uh, personal issues, family issues, uh, you know, men's problems. And I think that uh, down the line, those uh those have an effect on our politics, uh, 100%. It's it's no doubt. Uh, The things that I talk about here absolutely have an effect on our politics and the way that uh, our society runs. And so uh, I don't focus on that here because I don't feel like I'm going to win, make a lot of ground discussing politics here. I'm not a politician. Um, Don't have a political science degree, not that you need one to talk politics, but uh, there's really no reason anybody would be interested in what I have to say about politics, I don't think. Uh, and so, and I would rather, I think that the, the ground is actually made on these personal men's issues that, uh, that we talk about. And one of my favorite, uh, political commentators, actually probably my favorite, uh, is Michael Knowles. So Michael Knowles is a daily wire host. Uh, he's extremely Catholic and, uh, he talks about, he, he actually addresses more of the life issues, uh, than I think that the others do. Uh, you know, I, I listen to a lot of Ben Shapiro. I, I mean, literally every every day, I'll turn it on in the background while I'm working. Uh, Michael Knowles at 8:30, and then Ben Shapiro at 10. Sometimes I don't get to listen, but it's okay. Um, I listen to both of those guys. You know, Ben Shapiro is more of my facts, not feelings type of guy. Uh, I go to him for. Typically, he discusses more of the uh, geopolitical news, um, a lot of the different stuff going on, uh, in politics. He does some finance stuff. I know a lot of people can't stand him, and that's understandable, but uh, that's really where I get the news, because I can't stand Fox or CNN at all, Uh, and some people just ignore the news, and that's fine, too, Uh, but I I get my news mostly from Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles, Uh, but Michael Knowles, he talks more about the cultural issues, and he talks about them from a religious standpoint uh, most of the time. He's very traditional, and uh, I just really enjoy listening to, to him bridge that gap. Uh, between personal and political uh, he takes some positions that I'm not always a huge fan of and you know sometimes those guys they're they, they understand how to capture an audience they they bicker and fight or uh, they'll take some hard-line positions that maybe they're not that actually hard-lined on just to kind of get the the audience you know engaged and it's sometimes like aliens like they have stupid debates about aliens all the time and it's really funny um, but anyway, so Michael Knowles, they do this thing where, uh, it's, it's called the yes or no game. And what they do is they invite somebody in to come and sit down with them and, uh, with it, with Michael and the producers write questions. So sometimes they're like personalized questions to, to whoever he's sitting down with. Like, uh, if he's sitting down with Donald Trump, there would be a question about the classified documents or whatever. Uh, but a lot of them are, um, broad geopolitical, you know, personal, uh local politic type questions. And the the goal is to say uh whether you think that the person sitting across from you would say yes or no to the prompt. So I used this one in, in yes or no number one. Uh do you like dogs? Well if you're sitting across from me and I know that you don't own any dogs uh and you only own cats and you don't like my dogs, well then I'm gonna slide your glass to no. Uh and since you know that I like dogs uh, and an only good cat is a dead cat or a barn cat you would say uh do, the prompt is do you like dogs you would slide mine to yes um so uh sorry was my speaker turning off so anyway um you would uh so if you get it wrong i think <laughs> well, i think i think the rules it's a drinking game and i think the way that michael and his guests play the rules is that uh if you get it wrong you drink and if you get it right you celebrate and drink so um, <laughs> it's a it's a drinking game, but uh he makes a mass produced game uh called the yes or no game where it's these little uh these prompts that come in cards and uh whoever's turn it is, they pick up a card and they say the card and they have to choose yes or no, and everybody around the table uh has to choose whether they think yes or no. Uh, and I and I bought the game, number one, because I really like Michael Knowles, but number two because I, I love having these conversations about difficult things uh with people, with new people, with friends that I've been with, uh, you know, people that I've been friends with for a long time. Uh, I love to have these hard conversations and honestly I like playing it with my wife sometimes because I like to see her rationale for, for what she thinks. Uh, there's, there's a lot of times where she's not political at all. Really. She doesn't know politics any at all. Uh, only really what she comes and asks me and then I tell her. Uh, so it's, it's fun to see her, her thought process on some of these cards uh without it you know being an argument or something like that uh and i'll do that to her a lot she'll say something that i just blatantly disagree with or that maybe i do agree with and i'll ask her why you know as if i disagree or or whatever uh she'll say yeah i think puppies are cool and i'm like why uh and like make her explain what she really thinks behind that that belief and so uh this game really accelerates that for a lot of your friends Uh, and it makes people feel okay to actually talk about the issue. Um, and I I really enjoy it. But anyway, I had another friend that gave me the idea of when I don't have a guest on, uh, I thought we were going to get a guest on, on Saturday, but he's really, really busy. Uh, just haven't really had time to get in touch with him. I guess, uh, thought we were going to have a guest on record with him on Saturday, post on Sunday, but we didn't. Uh, and I had a few different options, but D Ellen said that she wanted to hear another yes or no. So that's what we're gonna do. So basically I take these cards from Michael Knowles card game, uh the ones that he the one that he puts out, uh, and I talk about them on the podcast. Uh so I've got three prompts here. There's no reason to uh delay it anymore. Uh some of these I don't really uh, these are these are difficult to talk about, honestly. It kind of questions even some of my understanding of, of the of the topics, but um let's go ahead and pull this one out. Uh it says debt can be an important part of building wealth. Um Oof, that's that's, uh, that's difficult to answer. Oh, I do want to preface this with uh, I am in no way a financial advisor. Uh, probably my worst performing area of life uh, is financial. Uh, I, I make a lot of money. I make a lot of money for my age, but uh, I'm not very good at dealing with it. Um, I guarantee you if I didn't make as much money uh, as I did, I would be in a world of hurt because I'm not very good at, at saving money and I spend a lot of money on stupid stuff. Uh, so my strategy has just been to make more than I can spend. Uh, and and that's not even me bragging. It's just, and it's about, it's going to get more difficult, but, uh, I've always been right at that edge of, of we don't really live paycheck to paycheck, but I've always been teetering on that edge. And so I just say that to preface this with you're getting exactly what you pay for, which is not a damn thing. Uh, you're listening to this for entertainment um and if you choose to take some advice from it then take some advice but uh yeah that I'll leave it at that I'm I'm not very good with uh with debt and financing and investing and stuff like that uh but I am good at making money and that is it so uh this one says debt can be an important part of building wealth so uh I think this is less less about debt and more about um the distinction between assets and liabilities so I did a, uh, let's see, I, I have, I've got one semester of my master's degree down, uh, and I'm waiting to go back. Uh, we got a, I work for a company now that will actually pay for my master's, so I'm thinking about going back and getting an MBA. I don't know. It depends on whether my time is is better spent getting an MBA or building a business or whatever. Uh, right now, I'm leaning towards the building of business, but uh, if I can't get that off the ground, then I may just go get my MBA for funsies since somebody else is paying for it, but uh, so debt can be an important part of building wealth. I did a, an MBA class where uh, I really got to learn the official college distinction between assets and liabilities, especially in a company. And the thought is that an asset is something that can make you money or has the ability to make you money. Uh, a liability is something that costs you money. Uh, so it, it gets really kind of squishy. And I may say some very wrong things when I talk about this, but I've already prefaced that. Um so an asset in a company would be these company trucks. Uh, the problem is those are depreciating assets. So over the amount of time, the amount of money that they make you is even less. Uh, you know, a liability is uh, the debt that you took out or um, some of the, the invoices that you have to pay uh, for products or maybe this, uh, this monthly uh, payment for supplies is what we consider a liability in your business. Uh, on the personal front, on the personal front, Assets and liabilities get a little bit trickier. I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is kind of, I I think it's a good book. Uh, It really changed the way uh, that I think about finance. Um, I would read it really, really quickly and, uh, you know, knock it out on a plane ride or uh, a beach read or something like that and take it with, I guess, a grain of salt. Uh, It really kind of changed my thought process to, okay, well, I'm just going to make more money than I spend, uh, which is. Okay. Uh, it, it's it was it was really helpful. Uh, and where 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 it really changed my um, look, where it really changed the way I look at at money is the distinction between assets and liabilities in my personal life. So, uh, what does everybody think when it when it comes to uh, quote unquote buying a home, in other words, getting debt out for a home or getting a mortgage? Everybody thinks that it's awesome. Everybody thinks that you know you save up for your down payment and you can do these things without a huge down payment by the way uh I don't necessarily recommend it, but um you can uh, I've done it and uh they say, well, let's buy this home and then in twenty years, real estate always goes up 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 and uh and we'll have a great house, and it we're investing in our assets uh we're building assets, we're building wealth and buying a home uh this book really kind of turned that on its head, and I wish I would have. I kind of threw this together last minute. I wish I could have seen what he actually said uh, on the house, but basically he he drew out this case for. Uh, oh, really? Your your home is is always an asset. We always think of it as an asset, uh, yet we buy it at maybe not the right time, or maybe the market doesn't go up quite like we wanted to, and then you're still dumping so much money into this house to make improvements to, uh, to to just keep the house going to where you can make money on it. Uh, at a later date, I mean, if you move into a house and you don't spend any money on home improvement, there's a very good chance that the that the value actually goes down versus up it let's say you know I moved into a house with an excellent lawn uh excellent flower beds and an excellent you know sprinkler system all of that stuff. If I just didn't maintain any of that stuff, the house would be the curb appeal of the house would be much less number one uh and depending on the real estate market, my house may not be worth uh what it would be if I would have kept all that stuff up um, let's say, you know, I've got a really nice stove. The kitchen is is a really good part of this house. Let's say that my, my stove takes a dump, uh, and I go and I just find, you know, for the meantime, I go and I just find this uh, crappy little electric stove that uh, doesn't fit with the kitchen and all that. And I throw it in there. I may not get as much for the house as what, uh, what I want to. And I know real estate is hard because it's, it's really more about the land that it's sitting on. Uh, but when you're talking about the difference between, you know, it could be a $10,000 difference as to whether you maintain the house. And as long as you have it, it could be a huge difference. I mean, it could be a 20 to $50,000 difference as to whether you actually keep the up, maintain the house. If it's got a bunch of problems when, uh, when, when these people try to move in, uh, they're not going to give you as much money. Uh, so basically the point of that is that he kind of defined an asset as something that makes money while you sleep. Uh, and he said he was kind of making the point that most homes are not like that. Most homes don't make you money while you sleep. Uh, does real estate go up? Yeah, sure. Uh, very, very dependent. Tell that to somebody who bought a house in like' six or seven uh, that you know lost everything in, in the housing fall of eight. I don't know much about it, uh, but I know that they were lending out you know what do they call it subprime loans to to lenders that couldn't afford them uh, and you know houses that once the economy actually took a dump. Um they couldn't afford the mortgages on them they couldn't afford the upkeep on them and uh so you know, try telling that to them that it was an asset to buy a house uh It's not always an asset it it may be a liability, and so now this is how I approach debt, uh especially on a house i've I've said this multiple times on the podcast. one of the best decisions I ever made was buying the house that I'm sitting in, one of the best decisions that i ever made and I didn't do it with it wasn't like I saved up twenty grand i did i i literally I didn't beg, borrow, and steal, but I begged and borrowed to get this house. Um, I, I did. I I struggled, and it was like a, a two week decision. What happened was our lease was coming up uh, in in December. I only signed like a seven month lease, and in December our lease was coming up, and I heard uh, that interest rate rates were really low. I was listening to Ben Shapiro, and he was talking about the time to buy a house is now if if you've got a good cash flow in the future, um, cash flow. Now home prices were elevated but interest rates were were i mean rock bottom uh and in Amarillo the the home prices hadn't really elevated that much now it was very hard to get a house because everybody was buying them up it was a buyers market uh which i don't even really know what that means you know technically as far as what conditions have to be correct for a buyers market but all i know is that every damn house that we were looking at was getting bought up by doctors with cash uh i mean for real for rent houses and stuff like that um we would i mean we would show up at a house for a visit, you know, for a visitation. That's kind of weird. A a seeing, showing, whatever. I think they call them showings. Uh we would sh- we would arrive at a showing and then we would be walking out and some dude with a Range Rover was pulling up. I was like, "Yeah, screw it. I'm not even going to put in an offer on this one." Um because we knew they're just going to write cash off uh and and write a check and and be done with it and they were paying $10,000 over the mortgage price. Uh but anyway, uh I digress. Uh the reason this house was such a good decision for me to buy Is because home prices weren't as elevated as what they were going to be and i got like a three i don't want to misquote it it's somewhere i know it's lower than four percent i think i'm at 3.25 percent of my interest rate uh for first time homeowners uh the first time homeowners you get like a six thousand dollar grant this this is the way this works i didn't really know it until i signed the papers uh but the way this works is that you get six thousand dollars from the government uh to help with the down payment on the house Uh, And then what you do is when you sell the house, that $6,000 has to go back to the government. So when, yeah, it it comes out of the equity of the house. uh, I I believe that's how it works is that the grant that I got, it has to go back when I sell the house. Okay. Well, I'm like, I want to say I'm at 3.25 because it sounds better than 3.75. Maybe at 3.75, it may be 3.375. I don't know. I'm somewhere between three or 4% interest on this house, which is Uh, really good. I mean some people that are really old with really good credit that put a really good down payment on Uh, they could get around two percent. I think my grandparents had like two percent Uh back on their house or something like that Uh, but that you know, that's three at my age three percent is really good Uh, so I I got this house at three percent and it wasn't it wasn't at the tip top of the market yet So this is going to make money when I when I sleep even even right now with interest rates cooling off, I've already I'm already up twelve thousand dollars in equity on this house I and mean, we've only been in it like two years. I know that doesn't sound much, and it doesn't sound like much, and I think I'm even higher than that. Uh I think that I bought this house for like 168, I think, thousand. Uh, and I think the last time I looked at my prospected home value or whatever, it was at like a hundred and eighty eight. So I think I'm at like twenty thousand dollars equity on this. Uh, and I don't plan to just sell it. I I really plan to uh, make it a rent house, pull some of the flower beds and stuff out of it, uh, and make it a rent house, uh, to, to have some of that passive income in, cause my mortgage is low enough that I think that I can do it. Uh, I think that with as nice of a lawn as this, this house has, uh, and with the newer appliances that I could charge about, you know, two grand a month or something like that, uh, and make a little bit of a passive income on this house. Uh, so this house is an asset. My house is an asset. Uh, unless we just take, I mean, a hell of a dip in the real estate market, I mean, depending on what's coming in the economy, I don't understand how this house could not be an asset um, just based on, on the way real estate seems like it's going. Now, let me give you the other side of this coin uh, is let's say you buy a house right now. <laughs> um, housing, uh, the market has come down a little bit. I don't believe it's come down enough and interest rates are still very high. Um, if, so I bought at like the right time. I mean, even, even two or three months after I bought this house, uh, would have been a worse time to buy than what I did. Uh, because interest rates started to climb. What happens is they, they dumped them mo- and I, I have a very baseline understanding of economics, but they dumped a bunch of money into the economy for COVID. Uh, so basically they said, they said that, um, we need to get this economy stimulated because nobody's doing anything, nobody's going anywhere. So not only did they dump a bunch of money into it, but what they did is they lowered interest rates, I mean, to the floor. I mean, the federal interest rate, I think went to like 0% or something, I don't know. Uh, But basically they were giving away free money, free debt uh, with very little interest rates so that people would spend money and keep the economy going. The economy doesn't run if you're not putting cash into it. Uh, So what happens is, uh, you lower the interest rates for a couple months, and then everybody spends money. So if everybody is trying to buy a product, uh, what happened to toilet paper? People were price gouging toilet paper, so the money on that product goes up. So what happens is they they allow it's it's called easy money policy, where money is easy to come by. You can you can you you can get debt for almost free, which is what I did. Uh, I jumped on that. I had a steady job. I said this interest rate is really low. I may pay a little bit more for this house but the prices aren't back up yet. I'll take this house. Uh, got, got some of that easy money. Um, what happens is they lower the interest rates. Well, because everybody is competing for these same products because money is easy to come by. Uh, and we don't have enough of the products to satisfy everybody. What happens is the prices on those products go up. That's why gas is expensive. That's well, that's not really, really the reason gas is expensive. OPEC plays a part in that. They do the same thing just by injecting gas in the market where it dies or, Restricting it so it goes up and stuff like that. But um basically what happens is the prices of these things start to go up. This is why eggs went sky high, uh, and this is why homes went sky high lumber, uh, because everybody was getting mortgages like me. Uh, there was no lumber to be had. And you had also the other side of there was nobody working the lumber mills because they're all getting COVID and, and whatnot. It was madness. But basically, as these products become harder and harder to buy because everybody is buying them, the prices go up. Well, what happens is if if you don't stop that, you end up in an inflationary spiral where nobody's money is worth anything. Let's say you've got $100,000 sitting in the bank uh, and you want to buy a, a, a house with cash. Well, this money, everybody that's using this debt is easier to come by. So they're all getting these loans. Maybe they've got $50,000 in the bank, but because they're getting a 2% interest loan, uh, they're just putting a down payment on knowing that they're going to be able to pay that loan off and they're buying these houses. So what happens is, that the housing prices start to go up. So you could have got a house like mine in two years on $168,000 in cash. But now because everybody else is buying it, uh, everybody else is buying these houses and these prices are going up. Your $100,000 is worth less. Um, Your $100,000 will not get you what $100,000 did a year ago. This This is why everybody says, you know, oh, well, that didn't cost that much a year ago uh you know trucks vehicles just do that because yeah easy money but also because they're just putting more and more in them and and the the people think that they can charge more for them and and money is again easier to come by but um again you know I don't know much about economics but this is the basic idea and so what do they do the problem is the prices start to creep up they creep 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 and so what do they do these idiots that started giving these super low interest rates and injecting money into the economy um like crazy. You think that the government spending, um, why the, the idiots that did that, they say, Oh, we got to slow this down. So what do they do? They start raising interest rates. Why? Because loans are harder to get because money is harder to come by. Um, so they start raising these interest rates. And so what does that mean? Now that means that the people who are buying these houses, they cost more because the values went up because everybody wanted a house and your interest rate is higher. So now there's people that are buying houses like mine for 200 something thousand dollars at like seven or eight percent interest rates um i don't know they may be back down a little bit by now uh they may be like six percent or something like that i don't know but think about that you're paying double the interest on a house that is worth 40 or that is uh that costs forty thousand dollars more and so what ends up happening is as the money gets pulled back out of the economy you end up in a recession. this is just like 08. and again, I know I may not be explaining it very well. I know we're on a we're on a huge tangent. I've been talking for 20 minutes uh, on this one card uh, but this may be a longer longer episode. Um, what ends up happening is uh you end up with a house that eventually it's called a bubble. What's gonna happen is that the bubble pops. And when people aren't making as much money, when money's not as easy to come by, when the what really happens is these companies can no longer get their operating loans uh, or their their uh, investment cash as easily because the interest rates are higher. It no longer makes sense to invest the way that they were investing or, again, their operating loans. A lot of these companies operate uh, on what's called a line of credit, which means, okay, we'll give you this bank account that you can spend up to $100,000, but you've got to pay it off. Uh, in 90 days or something like that. And a lot of companies will use that to make payroll because they're not getting paid as steady as they have to pay their employees. So what happens is as these these lines of credit uh, or HELOCs, a lot of people do home equity loans, which is a home equity line of credit uh, where they'll they'll borrow against the equity on their home. Uh, I think at a certain percent of interest. I don't know that. But um, what, what happens is these companies can no longer get their money as easy. And so all these companies that are operating on loans start laying people off. But well, what happens is they got into a subprime loan, as they call them, uh even when the interest rate is low, I could have gotten a two hundred i mean I could have gotten a two hundred twenty thousand dollar house, uh which would have been more mortgage than I could have afforded at the time uh and it would still be even tougher now, especially if I lost my job. If I had to take a twenty thousand dollar pay cut um a two hundred thousand dollar house is is going to be really expensive, uh, especially with taxes, because taxes are going up, but what happens is These people who were okay with they were okay at the time because money was easy to come by. Now they don't have jobs, now they don't have anything, and the economy crashes. Well, what happens when it crashes? What happens when nobody's buying houses? Well, these people who are in a bind just have to sell their house to get out from under it. So what happens to home values? Because now there is more supply than there is demand, values drop. Okay. This is where it can it can get hurtful. I bring you back to the card. The card says debt can be an important part of building wealth. Okay, what I just described to you is somebody who bought a liability house, not an asset house. Okay? People will tell you that debt can be an important part of building wealth if it's on a home, not a car. Okay? I disagree if your home is a liability and not an asset. Okay? Uh are cars most of the time assets? No, they're not. Now, I know a guy that uses, I think it's called turbo. He has like six vehicles that he runs on turbo, okay? And they're making him money. So those car loans probably are assets, even at the, maybe he paid higher interest on them. Uh, Maybe he's not paying loans, I don't know. Um, He's got some, some cash, maybe he doesn't have loans, maybe he pays cash for everything, but that debt may be an asset, okay? Your house that you just bought may be a liability. I don't know. Now, there is an argument for for these homes. well, what's better is throwing you know when mortgages are high that means rent's high, so maybe you don't want to throw maybe maybe putting two two thousand dollars into a house is is for a mortgage a month is worth it to have a bigger house um is is worth it to have a bigger house even though you're gonna break even versus throwing it at rent. Maybe it is okay, maybe you're correct. you better be damn sure which house you buy that it's not gonna give you problems with the roof. With the air conditioner, with the water heater, all of that stuff. Um, but maybe you are better off putting your money into a mortgage that where you'll break even in the long run versus rent to where you'll have no break at all. <laughs> um, it's not going to break even, positive or negative. You just pay the money. It's it's a service. It's no longer an asset or a liability. Maybe that's the case. Um, but also, let's say you had to put, you know, twenty thousand dollars down on a down payment on this house and you're having to pay $2,000 uh $2,000 a month for your mortgage just for you to break even after this crash that we've got because you took a, a an 8% interest loan or whatever they are uh a, a 6% or a 7% interest loan and you bought when housing prices were really high okay maybe you you end up taking a loss i would hate that but maybe you have to move out in in 5 years because your family's getting too big or the house is just too much trouble. Um, or let's say that you you do start making more money, but you want a bigger house in a different area. Let's say that you you just have to move. You still you're still not gonna be as in the black as they as they say versus in the red. You're not gonna be as in the black as what you may have thought you were when you bought what you told was an asset. Okay, what you were told is an asset. It may be a liability, and that twenty thousand dollars that you put on the down payment maybe you could have bought a shitty little Camry that you run on turbo and now it's making you money i i don't i don't know but this is what i say Th- this is why i think this this card is so important debt can be an important part of building wealth well it depends on what you're using your debt for okay <laughs> if you've got a valid business plan and you think that you're going to go make a lot of money uh but you just need a truck to run this business maybe you buy the truck on debt maybe you don't have the cash maybe you're going to pay it off in 6 months 6 months okay People view debt as black and white and in personal affairs in in personal affairs, it is kind of a black and white thing. Okay. In personal affairs, the home is really the only thing that can be argued for. Uh, There's a very difficult argument to be made for cars. Uh, Something like turbo is is brand ass new. Um, I don't, I think it's going to go like Airbnb. Uh, I think Airbnb, I think if you're going to do turbo, you're going to need to pump and dump. Um, People are are eventually going to realize that driving a Tesla isn't all that cool when you have to pay, you know, $400 in, in, uh, cleaning fees and stuff like that. Uh, I wouldn't do a long-term investment tr- strategy on turbo. It's going to be the same thing like Airbnb, uh, because people can set their own prices and stuff like that. Uh, you're going to have, you know, millions of dollars in cleaning fees or whatever. Uh, to whereas for me, it's like, well, I'll just go stay in a hotel. Um, like I don't have to deal with these, these awful people and pay an $80 cleaning fee. I can just go stay in the hotel for the same amount of price. Uh, does it suck a little bit more that I have to be crammed into a hotel? Yeah, but uh, I think that's the way is going to go. But um, anyway, uh, you know, in, in your personal life, debt is generally bad, okay? Debt is generally bad. This is the Dave Ramsey of get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt, start running on cash. Dave Ramsey has a very good point. If you live like Dave Ramsey tells you to live, you will have a very good life, okay? If you live how Dave Ramsey tells you to live, your financial problems will be less and less. Okay. Uh, you won't have the same financial stressors that everybody else will. Uh, but I do have a little bit of a speculation as to how quick, um, and, and how effective it is to actually build wealth on Dave Ramsey's policy. And I think it's, it it is a little bit more difficult than what he, what he presents it, uh, to get to the point to where you're actually building wealth, uh, with, with Dave Ramsey's policy. I think Dave Ramsey's policy is uh, designed for employees, and I don't mean that bad. But if you want to be a business owner, um, I think you would have to wait a long time, uh, to to do it Dave Ramsey's way. And I say this as somebody who is following Dave's Dave Ramsey's method. But Dave and I are going to part at some point. Um, so yes, debt can be an important part of of building wealth. Yes, it can. Be very careful. Okay, uh, that new Jeep that you're about to go buy that uh, is going to lose $10,000 worth of value when you drive it off the lot is not an important part of building wealth. That's not a, that's not good debt, okay? Uh, the wedding ring, and I say this, I bought my wedding ring on a loan. I paid it off. Uh, it helped my credit, but the interest was not something that I should have uh, taken the hit on. Uh, I did it just for funsies because I wanted to buy the ring and I thought it would help my credit. Uh, it did. I mean, I, I've got damn near an 800 credit score. Uh, but they don't tell you that you have to use debt. Uh, credit, store, credit score is not a badge of honor. Uh, it just means that I've taken out debt for stupid stuff and they're saying, hey, this guy at least makes his payments on time. Um, but the wedding ring that you want to buy, that is not good debt, okay? Uh, now, if she's pregnant and you need to get married, maybe you take out a $500 loan on on a wedding ring and, and figure it out. Um, it's squishy, okay? It's hard to give an answer, but yes, debt can be an important part of building wealth be smart. Make sure if you're going to be spending money on debt, it's an asset, not a liability. Okay. I think that's all I have to say. Uh, I talked for 30 minutes on that one. So, uh, I guess good for y'all more content. Let's see. Uh, I'll do this one before we talk about money again. Uh, Liberty is not the ability to do what you wish, but the right to do what you ought. Uh, this is a good one. I've used this multiple times. This is a yes, yes, yes. Uh, I I picked this because I wanted to talk about it. Um, I've been doing more episodes with the uh the heavy, you know, the pipe hitter type crew, the the ultra preparedness, the um more I guess gun guys among us, gun culture. I'm talking Jared Arsenault. uh, I'm talking Alex from the Leaderless Gentleman, Blake Flannery, uh, Millspec Mojo. I've done a couple of these guys to where uh they're they're in this um Liberty 2A community where the government can't tell us uh the government shouldn't have as much authority as it does um let's train let's be prepared let's uh be our own first responder type of community and i know that i've picked some of you guys up okay i know that i've picked some of you guys up and this is why i want to talk about this because that community very often can get into this mindset of libertarianism and i have even said now Before any of you jump down my throat and tell me, well, you were a libertarian at once, I've always said, always said that I agree more with the Libertarian Party, except for two issues, open borders and abortion. Uh, I don't agree with the Libertarian Party on on those on those points. I've never voted Libertarian. My point is always that uh the libertarians have the right idea as far as it goes for um for most of government, I think. Um, but a lot of you can end up very libertarian or even anarchist, okay? Uh, and I know people, my, my normie listeners aren't going to know, like, anarchy, what does that even mean? Anarchists, aren't those bad? Like, Antifa, no. uh, it it It's weird, okay? And it's not good. Anarchy is, uh, arguing with an anarchist is one of the dumbest things that I've ever done. Uh, I'm sorry, but if, if you believe in anarchy, I, I don't even know, I, sorry, it, it's, it's not correct, okay? Uh, you're not right. Uh, But I I have no doubt that I may have picked some of you up, especially even more of the libertarian. And this is where I step on your toes and spit in your face a little bit. Uh, And so if you're into that sort of thing, keep coming back. But uh, liberty is not the ability to do what you wish, but the right to do what you ought. Yes. Okay. Now, I don't have all the words to talk about this. Um, I don't have all the words to speak educatedly on it, but I believe that it's the difference between license uh license and and freedom so we're talking licentiousness and freedom and if you've heard these words you probably know where I'm going with this but licentiousness i believe it comes from you know the root of the word licensed where i have a license to do this uh i believe that i have the license to do whatever i want oh, or uh maybe a better word is hedonism where um th- this this is actually really common in like porn or that people call it sex work they think that oh i have a right to do sex work it's with my body um it leads to hedonism very, very quickly. Uh, and I believe that personally, I think that laws should be, should benefit the good of society. Okay. And a lot of people, again, the libertarians and the anarchists and all that are not going to agree with me. I believe that the government has a place. Okay. I believe that that government's place is to ensure that people, um, keep their freedom and that society, um, that there are rules in society that allow us to flourish and allow us to live uh live free. That does not mean that the government needs to come down the throat and tell me that I can't own a suppressor on my rifle. That is not what that means, okay? What that means is that we need to have laws against certain things that harm society and this needs to be at the appropriate level of governance. So, uh a lot of people um not a lot of people. I've heard a few people say this. I don't know whether it's Ben Shapiro or Michael Knowles, but Basically, they say that I'm libertarian on the federal level. Uh, I'm a Republican conservative on the state level. On the local level, I'm kind of a Democrat. Uh, and at the uh, at the at the home level, the the community level, I'm a communist. Um, I I fully agree with that. In my home, I'm a communist. We share, okay. In my family, what I have is 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 literally everybody else's. Okay. We don't exactly have property in my household. We do, but we don't. <laughs> it's our property. But my cook, uh, kitchen and cooking tools are also my wife's. Okay, my money is also my wife's. Okay, we share. We are one flesh. When my kids come around, uh, and you know my uh, my dad, uh, I have stolen stolen so much shit from my dad, just like tools and stuff like that. Uh, and it's not even stealing because he just openly gives them to me. Okay, he knows that I'm gonna take it, so he puts it in my truck. Um, at my home level, I am a communist. Okay even with my extended family and my friends, all right? What I have is yours and what you have is mine to a certain level, okay? Uh, That level is when I really don't know you and I really don't have a bond with you, okay? Then I become a a little bit more of a Democrat, okay? Then at that point, I say, yeah, maybe we should have some social services around here. I would love it if my city, uh, if the cops, instead of writing stupid BS tickets on on the interstate, I would pay my taxes and be a whole lot more happy about it if these cops were actually stopping crime in my community instead of pulling me over for going 70 miles an hour on a 50 mile an hour road where everybody else is doing 75. That's what I would appreciate, okay? I'm a little bit more of a Democrat there. I believe in social services at the community level, okay? My wife works for a state government funded child shelter, children's shelter, okay? I am a little bit more of a Democrat on some of these areas. Uh, public school. I believe in public schooling. I really do. Uh, I think that public schooling on a community level is important. I do. I think that all these guys that are taking their their people to go do homeschooling or taking their kids to go do homeschooling, uh, I think it's gonna just turn into public schools. <laughs> I mean, when you have a co-op and you've got you know instead of twenty or there's there's a problem with scale when homeschooling. Okay, if you've got thirty families that want to homeschool, uh, it's it's gonna get busy and not every family can afford to have a a certain parent home to homeschool. So what ends up happening is you end up doing co-ops. Well, what's going to happen is somebody in that co-op is going to say something to your kid that you don't really enjoy. And the economy of scale, when these homeschooling co-ops get so big, it's just going to turn into public schools. Well, you know who has all the infrastructure and all the buildings and all the things to do these things? Uh, Your public school system, your ISD, okay? Your school district, all right? Now, I'm not saying to go throw your five-year-old in school right now, uh, in Amarillo, my kids will not go to Amarillo schools. They won't, uh, because I don't trust Amarillo to properly school my kids. I've, I've I've met some of you heathens that went through AISD. I'm not doing that. Um, so what? But I'm not also going to put my kid in a homeschool co-op where you know Sally is going to say something to my kid that I don't really agree with. I'm going to go find a public school that has these infra. Oh, and they don't have the infrastructure that the public schools do. So, anyway, I digress. I'm a little bit more of a Democrat on the local community level. Where I think that these social programs are good, okay? I think that these social programs have value, and I think that if we were invested in them at a community level, they would do a lot more good. Let's talk about social security. If Amarillo had a social security program where all the olds of Amarillo uh got some money from young Amarilloans because they built Amarillo for us, I would be down with that okay i really I really would if i could if I could watch it at a micro level, okay. I am more of a Democrat at a community level, at a state level, much more of a Republican fiscally conservative. Okay. Um, let's have lower state taxes, but let's have a, a little bit of taxes, but not that many taxes. Uh, let's have strong policing at a state level. Um, I, I'm more of a Republican. I'm more of a, of a Ted Cruz Republican uh, on on a state level at a federal level. You have no, you have no reason to be in my life at all whatsoever. Okay, you run the military. All right, your job at the federal level is to kill people that try to hurt me. That's what your job at the federal level is, okay? That's it. All right. Uh and you decide cases in the Supreme Court and do all the things that the constitution tells you that you should do. That's how I that's how I believe. constitutionalists at the federal level. Um again, why have I gone down this rabbit hole? Because liberty is not the ability to do what you wish, but the right to do what you ought. Okay? I believe that. All right? Strongly that liberty and freedom the founders of liber- of of the United States, I don't think that they thought that um, mass producing pornography was part of liberty. I don't think that they thought that. I think that they said, hold on, you're gonna do what? Uh, and you're going to sell it to everybody and you're gonna market this stuff? Absolutely not, you're gonna ruin lives. Um, you're gonna ruin lives. That doesn't mean that you just get to do what you want, okay? Uh, abortion, okay? Abortion, you don't just get to kill your kids because you want to. That's not correct. And again, I don't have all the tools to really argue about this, but uh, I know there is a religious line on this. Uh, but I know that I'm not going to anybody that that understands the religious line on this, the 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 argument line. Uh, anybody that understands the religious argument for this is already on my side anyway. Um, liberty is not the right to just do whatever you wish. It's it's the right to do what you ought. Um, you have a responsibility. Okay, as men, if you're listening to this, sorry, uh, you're probably a man. Okay. Uh, You may be a woman. I think that both men and women have a certain nature about them. I believe that they were put on this world for a purpose. That's why it's called the Purpose Podcast. Okay. You were put on this world for a purpose. And I believe that the reason you have freedom is not to do whatever you want, it's to go and fulfill that purpose. Okay. The reason you have freedom, and, and that's what makes it worth it. The freedom is what makes it worth it. The fact that you could choose otherwise, but you chose this, is why that freedom is is so valuable, okay? If not, we would all just be cogs in a system. We would all be communists, okay? Uh, it's not that you are only your purpose. It's that you are, you have the ability to choose to fulfill that purpose. And this is a religious argument. Anybody that knows anything about Christianity um, sees the ties here, okay? And it is all, it's like the it's it's the two astronauts and it's the world instead of the world it's a bible and it says wait it's all christianity and the dude's like yeah it always was it it is okay sorry i hate to tell you but if you're an atheist uh if you if you're a conservative atheist that believes in protecting people and, and all the 2a rights uh news for you buddy uh you should probably pick up your bible occasionally and i had to i had to learn that the hard way um but you were put on this world for some purpose and that that purpose was not to do whatever you want okay that basically that's where I believe in this. That's, that's where I stand on this. Um, I don't have the words to really articulate it the way that Michael does. Um, go listen to Michael Knowles. He explains this very well, um, that these laws and, and, um, these things that are put in place should benefit society. Um, it's, it's like free speech. Everybody says, well, I have free speech. Well, you don't. Okay. You don't have free speech in the way that you think that you do. Okay. Free speech means that you have the liberty to express ideas. Free speech doesn't mean that you can go and go down to your local park and talk dirty to six-year-olds, okay? (laughs) You can't do that, okay? That's child abuse, all right? We have certain laws um, around what is actually beneficial for society, okay? And that's what liberty and freedom is, is the ability to choose to do those things. Um, So when your government makes a law, saying that you can't be a prostitute, that is not taking away your freedom, okay? It's not. It's telling you that you can't um, be a slave to these certain urges uh, and that you can't inject that into society. That's what they're saying. And and honestly, real freedom is is not found in the bottom of a bottle of pills or the bottom of a bottle of whiskey. That's not where real freedom is found okay real freedom isn't found at the end of a blunt that's not that's not where real freedom is found real freedom is found in not being a slave to those things real freedom is found real freedom is found in being a servant to others and eventually a servant to jesus christ that's where freedom is found because you're choosing to do the right thing freedom is about the choice to do the right thing Uh, i think i have beaten this horse dead uh, yeah. Liberty is not the ability to do what you wish, but the right to do what you ought. Agree. Uh, go lift, go be strong, uh, go do Chad things and make your community better. Uh, exercise your liberty. Cool. And take a drink after that one. Of water, not his, not whiskey. You heathens. Um, although I would enjoy a glass of whiskey pretty soon. Uh, today college is usually a waste of time and money. Endorse uh, the word usually. Yeah. Now I've made a lot of money off of my degree. Okay. (laughs) Those, uh, those little letters on a piece of paper, um, have gotten me into a lot of doors that I wouldn't be able to get into without it. Um, and that's what it is served for me. Okay. I I actually learned a lot through college. All right. And I got a lesser degree, uh, objectively than a lot of my friends. Uh, you know, I, I, I say a lot of times I went to engineering school, I did. Um, I was in the building for engineering school. I have what's called an engineering technology degree. Okay. Uh, it was really not okay for a lot of my family to hear that I was, I was going to go in I was going to get a mechanical and a civil degree. That was my plan is to get a mechanical and a civil degree. Uh, and eventually I wanted to be an engineer somewhere. Uh, and then eventually own my own business doing engineering things. Uh, I actually, I really wanted to be a weapons designer. I wanted to go in and, um, design weapons, uh, you know, WMDs and tanks and, and rifles and all of those things. That's what I've wanted to do for a long, long time. Uh, but I was going to go get a mechanical and a civil degree and end up owning my own business. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, I went into the mechanical engineering program, uh, very quickly. I was actually pre-engineering. So what they do is they you do pre-engineering and you do a bunch of classes that, uh, every engineer does. And if you have a high enough GPA at the end of those courses of classes, uh, you get to move into a mechanical or a civil or, an environmental gag, uh, or electrical engineering, uh, into one of those disciplines. And that becomes your major. Well, uh, calculus really killed me. Um, calculus was where I decided that I didn't think I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. That was where math was no longer fun. Uh, that was where I was no longer good at math. And I actually had to work at math. Uh, when I discovered that I actually had to work at math, uh, it really put me to sleep. And I said, I don't want to do this at all. Uh, and the other problem was I I had taken an accelerated, uh, it's, and we'll get into this. This is going to be an actually pretty long podcast of me just talking. Um, I had taken what they call dual credit classes. So many of you have heard these, a lot of high schools are doing, heard of this. A lot of high schools are are doing these classes now where what they do is they allow these high schoolers to, instead of taking algebra two, they go and they take pre-calculus at a college, at a community college, or Instead of taking high school biology or high school anatomy and physiology, they go and they take college biology. Um, really what it is, uh, some of those classes were a little bit more difficult, but really what it was, I don't think it was any more difficult for, because I mean, the smart kids are the ones that are doing these. I mean, to be honest, it's the smart kids that are doing these anyway. Uh, and these classes they're I mean, they're entry-level college courses. They're not difficult. They're really not at all. Uh, what it was, was these kids were now allowed to manage their own workload in a much different way? These kids were allowed to learn what it was like to just be given assignments with a due date, uh, and an option as to whether to listen to the lectures or to participate in the discussions. Uh, and they had to decide whether they were going to succeed, uh, or not succeed. You're not meeting with a teacher daily to go over your assignments. Uh, basically, it was much less. It was much less of a focus on. Curriculum is oh they're learning college things and more of a focus of a, of an introduction to this is how college is going to be can you can you can you hang okay that's basically what it is is can you get your stuff done uh, I did a lot of dual credit classes uh, I also did a lot of extracurriculars with ag uh, I was heavily involved in FFA uh, built a couple of different things in the ag shop I welded every single day walked in in the morning first thing in the morning went and got my welding clothes on and welded and then did add competitions all the time. So I did a lot in high school. Uh, but anyway, that accelerated me. Basically, I graduated high school with 70 college credit hours. I walked the college stage, got my associate degree uh, before I got a high school diploma. Uh, literally, because college ends before high school. We all graduated college before we graduated high school. I'm not, I'm not joking you. Uh, there was like 10 of us that, that did the whole program so I came in with this expectation that I would be done quickly at the very least two years quicker than what I should. So I graduated in 2017. Uh, I should have been done, uh, the spring of 2019. So that was my expectation. Uh, as this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get done a lot quicker than everybody else. Uh, because I took these programs or took these classes and that was not the case. Uh, those classes, were very easy compared to what some of my college classes were like calculus. I took a pre-cal class. I didn't pay a damn bit of attention in that class. Uh, honestly, I couldn't. I was out so much that uh, I, I was out so much with ag. That was my senior ag season. Uh, I was out winning tractor tech contests and and building trailers and, and whatnot. Uh, didn't have any time for pre-calculus at all, really at all. Uh, and I honestly, I think that that professor rubber stamped me. I think he knew uh, that I was gone all the time. And I think he rubber stamped me. I got out of that court, out of that class with a, with a straight 70. Um, and that test, I thought I bombed that test. Uh, so I think he rubber stamped me. I'll, I'll never say his name, but, uh, he was a good old German dude. And, uh, he was really a good teacher. I, I should have, I, I wish I would have given him more effort than what I did. Uh, but I think he rubber stamped me through that class. Um, anyway, cause I, I don't know that I, they would have even let me graduate high school if I'd have failed that class. Uh, cause it, I mean, it subs for a credit, so I don't, I don't know if they would have, but anyway, it did not not prepare me for college at all, at all, at, at all. Uh, and what you'll find out in, in college is they don't give a fuck. Okay. They don't give a damn about you. Um, those advisors, you'll have some good advisors, but they don't give a damn. Okay. I went in there and I was like, Hey, I'm going to need some remedial math. Like I got pushed through pre-cal I don't understand calculus. I especially am not gonna be able to pick up calculus too. Uh, I need a remedial math class. Put me through your pre-cal, please. Uh, I saw that coming from a mile away and my advisor, and I don't think it was his fault. Uh, he, he's a really cool dude. Uh, he lifts weights. He, he was a cool guy. Um, my advisor, he said, well, look, man, he said, you're gonna be an engineer. I've talked to you for you know X amount of hours and minutes. I, I think that you can really get through this class with this professor. We're going to put you with professor x not the bald-headed dude i just don't want to say her name Uh, we're going to put you with this professor that uh, is really really good at making sure that people understand it uh really good and and honestly this is so what they did is they put all of the engineers in a certain pre uh, in a certain calculus class uh they said we're going to teach you calculus for engineers while all these math majors are going to go go learn calculus for math majors which what they didn't tell us is that it's equally as useless Um calculus is just it's awful. Um and it is useful as you get later down the line if you do real engineering. But um he said all of these engineers are gonna go take this class with her. Uh she's gonna tailor the class to engineering calculus and and what you're gonna see later on down the road. Uh and she's she's awesome. Okay. He said, She's awesome. You're gonna do great. I'll even I'll even go talk to her myself and tell her that you need special attention. Uh and I said, Awesome, cool. We'll we'll get it done. I'm not gonna, you know, need to take a, a, a remedial math class. Well, uh, on the first day of my math class, I show up and it was a brand new professor who was maybe two years older than I was. His name was professor Yong Yang. Okay. Uh, and now <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. And uh, he was actually a really cool dude. Uh, if you, if you got to know him, he was a really cool guy. He was one of the boys. Okay. Uh, he, he wore a playboy buckle to, uh, <laughs> to class one time. Um, you know, he was, he was really cool. He, he would joke with us, but I couldn't understand a damn word of what he said when he was talking about math. Honestly, I couldn't. He would put it up on the board. Uh, I was so uninterested that uh, that it was hard for me to follow it just on the board. Um, very audio. I like to listen. Um, I, I couldn't because he couldn't speak English very well. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to be an ass. He was, he was a cool dude. Honestly, he was a cool dude. But I think 75% of that class failed. Uh, 75% of that class failed. So they took the teacher that was supposed to help us all through this math class uh took her out and put in a brand new guy uh that knew more a lot more about calculus than he did the english language uh and it was a struggle and luckily the only thing that saved me was one of my best friends named ethan uh i finally i got close to him and i said teach me this stuff and i barely got through that class i mean barely passed that class so i tell you all this because after that i said maybe mechanical engineering isn't for me i don't want to do differential equations. Uh, I want to get out of college. I want to go make money now. The other thing that happened to me, uh, in this decision, or you know that that formulated this decision, is I called and I I needed to get a job through high school. So long story short, uh, the money that I had coming in that was allowing me to keep like a a a a smaller job, um, I had money coming in that you know was not from income. It, it wasn't from me working on my job. It was coming from somewhere else that stopped uh, that, and it wasn't anybody's fault it just the way the economy was and the way that things went down. Uh, there was no longer that, that weekly, uh, sum of money that was helping me live, uh, with the, the small job that I had, the, I don't want to say shitty job. It was a good job, but, uh, the lower income job that I had. So I went out to go find a welding job. I said, okay, I can weld. Uh, I can put a bead on damn near anything. Um, let me go find a welding job around, around town. I'll go and I'll weld for these guys. And, Maybe instead of $10 an hour, I can make, you know, $15, $16 an hour, uh, and, and keep myself afloat. Well, I called this guy and I said, Hey man, do you need any help welding? And he said, well, actually, uh, I don't own this company anymore. He said, well, I do, but I'm not really doing much for it, but I own or not own. I work for uh, my uncle and what we do is we build feedlots. So uh, why don't you come out here? Why don't you interview? His name's actually Haas too. He was a really cool guy. I don't, I don't know if he's still alive. I'd imagine that he is. Um, but he said his name's Haas too. So, uh, come down and interview with this guy and see what you think. Well, I interviewed with a guy named Haas Farley. Uh, he was really cool. And, uh, they said, oh, you're drawing, you can run a computer. Oh, uh, you're going to be an engineer. Why don't you come and work for us? And why don't you draw feedlots? So, uh, what I got to do is instead of welding, I sat down with AutoCAD and uh, a, a program called the Libre. Some of you may know it. I doubt it, but a program called the Libre and I sat down and I drew feed lots. So basically not even feed lots, but the mills that go in the middle, basically I made cereal for cattle. Uh looks just like frosted flakes and these uh, mills that they call them feed mills go in the middle of these feed lots and they feed the cattle uh, off of these mills. So I sat down and with the help of a, of a really cool guy who had a a sketchy but cool past uh, and learned how to actually engineer these feedlots. Uh, so, a lot of people don't know this, uh, in agriculture in Texas, you do not need a stamp for a lot of these structures, okay? You do not need engineered plans uh, for agriculture buildings a lot of times, okay? They may have had some more regulations since I've dealt with it, but um, we're talking about structures. You don't need coded stamps like you do in the city. You put up a shed in the city and you need a you need a stamp you put something up 30 30 foot high you need a stamp not an ag not at all uh not at all i've put i have i have as as an 18 year old engineering student i have put way too heavy of things way too damn high up off the ground uh without an engineered structure and what we did is we said well it was it, it's been like this over in uh in hartley county for i don't even know if hartley's county, swisher county Uh, it's been like this over in swisher county for for 40 years why don't we just do it like they did it uh not an engineering stamp in the world uh so that's what i did is i did engineering at the age of 18 for these feed mills uh i did the vast majority of what a lot of project engineers do uh and so when i got to this math class uh that was in my first semester i took that job in november of the first semester uh came back and worked through christmas break with that company uh, when I came back to the next semester, I said, uh, man, actually I don't know if I I don't know if I took calculus two. I think I said, let's not do calculus two. Let's put that off for another semester. Let's get some of these other classes done and give me some time to think about it. Um, I said, man, uh, this math stuff is is really kind of pointless. Um these engineers, especially some that I've talked to, because uh, I did have to deal with engineers at that job, uh, they don't really talk all that much about calculus. They, they really talk about, um, you know, what square tubing did we use on this job? Let's use it on this job. Uh, it was much more rational, not rational. And that's, that's a bad word. It was much more common sense than what I ever thought it was. Uh, it was much less of calculations, much more of everybody standing around and looking at each other and just getting it done and following industry standards. That's what a lot of people don't understand either is in that we have industry standards. A lot of times as an engineer. Your 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 job is not to design something new. It's to build a design that meets the industry standards, that meets ASME specs, okay? There are boards of engineers that put specifications out that say, this is what you have to do. And your job as an engineer is just to have a, enough of a baseline understanding to know that this meets that. Um, that's what a lot of engineers do. So when I was looking at, oh, mechanical engineering versus engineering technology, what is the difference between these two? not much. Okay. It was less math. It was less theory. Uh, it was less calculations to go engineering technology. And here's the real part is that it, it looked like I was going to get out quicker instead of, because of all the classes that come with mechanical engineering and because of some of the remedial math that I was going to have to do, I was going to have to retake calculus because a 70 won't get you into engineering, into an engineering discipline, uh, like mechanical engineering. I looked at engineering technology. Well, what did these guys learn? These guys learn the actual application. We learned machining. We learned plant design and layout. Uh, we learned a lot of different stuff. We had some management classes thrown in there. Uh, we learned about hydraulics. We learned about the actual systems and the idea for an engineering technologist uh, is to be kind of like a uh, a mechanic upgraded. Uh, we did statics. We did dynamics to where we learn how forces work with one another. Uh, we could apply that for hydraulic systems. We learned about fluids. Uh, not. We didn't take fluids as in the mechanical engineering fluids where you're doing a bunch of equations about how water flows through a pipe. Uh, we learned the actual application of how fluids work, okay? I could tell you how a water tower works a lot quicker than an engineer can uh, and you'll actually understand it, okay? In a, I, again, I'm paraphrasing. A lot of engineers are very smart, but I know the practical application of how fluids work. Uh, that's what we learned. And we learned from industry professionals. So because these classes, there wasn't just engineers are arrogant to say the least uh there wasn't just a bunch of really really smart engineers that wanted to teach these engineering technologists no they wanted to go and teach mechanical engineers so what did they do they they made most of these classes night classes uh with um what are the oh man what do they call them uh i forget what they call them it's not staff aug it's uh something where it's not an actual professor it's a professor it's not a temp professor i forget what they call them but uh, it's a professor that comes in that has maybe had years and years of experience that he's got a degree, but he, he's a subject matter expert at what he's teaching. Uh, and we had a few of those and those were my favorite classes, man. We learned from this guy, uh, RIP Bob Stockwell, rest in peace, man. I can't believe he died. I wish I could have got him on this podcast uh, on this podcast, I, man. I, I cannot believe, I think he died before I ever even started the podcast, but, um, oh, man, that sucks. Anyway, guy named Bob Stockwell. This guy worked at plants and facilities uh, all around the world. Honestly, he worked for Westinghouse. He worked for all different sorts of companies. Alice Traumers, I think, for a little bit. Uh, and he came and he taught us these subjects of this is how it actually works. Uh, he's the one that taught us Pareto's principle. Uh, he, he's the one that taught us plant design and layout. He's the one that taught us uh, business statistics as far as how the finance behind engineering. Uh, you know the, what? It doesn't matter all the good things that you can engineer if you can't afford to pay for it. Um, he, man, he taught us a lot. And that's who we got to learn from in the engineering technology program. Uh, so once I saw that, it was, it was a no-brainer. Um, but I knew that to get where I wanted to go, I had to have a degree. I couldn't just drop out um, because, you know, my job now, you have to have a four-year degree. Your resume doesn't even get looked at if you don't have a four-year degree. So I went with the engineering technology degree. That was a very long story, kind of explaining my experience with college. Um, the prompt says today, college is usually a waste of time and money. In my case, it was not okay. In my case, I learned some of the most in college. The people skills that I learned in college are invaluable. And I don't mean that I, I made a bunch of friends coming out of college. I did. Um, but I made far more enemies in college than I did friends. Uh, and my friends will attest to that. that There are far more people out there that I went to college with that aren't a fan of me than are, uh, I learned a lot from that. I learned why they don't really like me. Uh, I learned that some of them, they don't like me because their fundamental thought, uh, their fundamental beliefs on reality are so different from mine that we can't actually connect. Um, What I learned there was that, uh, you know, if you and I can't agree on something as simple as what is a life or if life matters, then we're never going to agree on something like abortion. Okay, it's much deeper than that. I learned that at college. The people skills that I learned, absolutely invaluable. I learned that you don't get your way just by being an ass. Okay, you don't you don't get your way and you don't make friends just by saying the most controversial thing in the room and hoping that somebody likes it and listens. That's not what you, that's, that's not good. Okay, you don't make friends like that. Uh, that's what I learned from college. Uh, I learned from the absolute legend, Bob Stockwell. Uh, which this one's going to be dedicated to him. Thank you, Bob. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me see, Liberty. He didn't talk much about that, but debt and uh, and today college is usually a waste of money. Uh, these two cards, Bob influenced me directly on. Uh, so this one will be dedicated to him. Um, but anyway, I learned from the giant Bob Stockwell. I got a lot of experience. I got to talk to a lot of people. I learned what engineers really did. It allowed me some some time and honestly, some excuses to go and have a diverse uh, career. I've worked in the feed feed mill industry, feedlot industry, so agriculture and food products. Uh, I designed for them. I worked at Bell Flight. So I got to stand on top of the V-22 Ospreys and the AH-1Z, Uh, what is AH one the, the Super Viper helicopters. I got to see how helicopters are made. It's not how you think. Uh, it's not a bunch of robots putting those things together. It's you know, a bunch of Old dudes with drinking problems that double drill holes. Uh, <laughs> not at Bell. They, sorry. Uh, please don't sue me. Bell Flight. Not all of your employees have drinking problems. Uh, I've gotten to. i, I gotten to see uh, where nuclear weapons are made. Uh, I've gotten to see how that process works. Uh, let's see rock crushers. I've gotten to work with mining equipment. I've got to design actual uh, rock crushers and uh, conveyor belts for for mining. And I've gotten to see. Kind of the equipment that goes into gold mines and that goes into uh aggregate separating that was really cool i've gotten to see a lot of a lot of different things uh, and, and now i'm in a different industry even but it allowed me an excuse because now when people look at my resume they're like dude you've been at like six different companies in this three year time span i'm like and this is the truth my like, dude i had to work with college like one company wanted me there in the mornings and my only classes that i could take were morning classes um I've got to see a lot a lot of different companies and a lot uh, how a lot of different companies are run. Uh good ways to run things, bad ways to run things. I've gotten to deal with a lot of different managers. So for me college was not a waste of time. Okay? For Becky who is doing a music theory degree, who is going to end up married uh and saddle her husband with $90,000 of debt and be a stay-at-home mom with her Stanley Cup and a Rubicon, okay? College is a waste of money. All right? <laughs> I know I turned very rapidly there but that is a waste of money. All right? College can be a waste of money and the vast majority of the time college is a waste of money these days. Okay? If you're not doing something in a STEM related field, okay, if you're paying for it for yourself or if it's going to go on debt, uh let's say you've got a GI bill. Go do college, okay? Go make it worth your time. Uh it can still be a waste of the money, but if it's free money, I guess I don't give a damn. All right? If you just want to go and learn more about history, Let's say you're a military dude and uh, you've got a great military career. You don't really need a degree to do what you're going to go do, uh, but you just want a degree and you want to learn about history. Uh, sure, go ahead. It's free money. Okay, You earned it. All right? You're a war vet. Go earn it. That's fine. Uh, you already earned it. Go spend your money. Uh, it's still a waste of money. <laughs> I mean, it's still a waste of the government money. Maybe you should go be a doctor or something like that with all your free time. Uh, and a lot of people do. If you're not learning about something effective, and if you're not going to make that money back in the long run, uh, then it is a waste of money. It really is. And a lot of people say, well, it's just a piece of paper. Uh, it is just a piece of paper, but it's a piece of paper that'll actually get your resume looked at. Okay. Uh, I, I, I can tell you the reason I have the job that I have is not because of my college degree. The reason that they looked at my resume was because of my college degree, because I had the experience and I had a degree. Okay. They would not have looked at my resume if I did not have a degree. Now, in 15 years, when I've got 15 years of experience, they might have, but then the, pro- then the problem is, uh, the problem becomes you're overqualified for this job. What they mean by that is, hey, this job is meant for somebody with a degree and three years of experience. Why are you applying for it with 15 years of experience? That makes me think that either A, you're not worth a 15-year employee's salary, or B, uh, we're going to have to pay you way too much and you're going to leave anyway. Uh, So a college degree is really useful. It is useful to have a four-year degree on your resume if you want to be an employee. Now, if your goal is to go out and uh, be a crane operator and eventually own a crane operating business, I I wouldn't do a damn bit of college. I would not do a damn bit of college. That's what I, my little brother, okay? He is right now in the process of figuring out what he wants to do with his life. And I've told him multiple times, okay? uh, College is just one way to get your resume seen and to learn certain things. If his goal uh, in college is to go go design vehicles, okay, if his goal is to design the next new hottest car, maybe he does need to go do some graphic artist school, okay, maybe he does need to go be an engineer and work on aerodynamics, okay, maybe he wants to design planes, maybe he wants to go to Embry-Riddle and design airplanes, okay, then yes, you need college because in order to design an airplane, you have to get somebody to pay you to design an airplane. They're not going to pay you if you don't have the qualifications that they want to see. So you need a degree. If his goal is to become a mechanic and own mechanic shops all the way across Texas and uh, to be a multimillionaire by being a mechanic, uh, look at Richard Rawlings or, or, or somebody that has got just buku's of money off of, off of cars. Why would you ever go to college? You shouldn't, okay? You should learn every piece of business advice that you can off of YouTube. You should go and, and take free business courses. You should go and get your hands dirty and you should put in the hours to be a multimillion dollar mechanic. Okay. That is what I'm going to tell you. Uh, I know, I, I mean, I've talked for an hour and 15 minutes on these three cards. Okay. I picked these three because I have very passionate opinions about all of them. Um, today college is usually a waste of time and money. Uh, that word usually yes, because a lot of people don't do, do with it what they should have. Uh, I know, I know somebody who, uh, and good honor, okay. If, if she listens to this, good honor. She's got a healthcare administration degree, and she works in capital projects, okay. <laughs> she got the certification. She got what she needed to get the job done, okay. Was that a waste of money? No, not really. Would it have benefited her if she probably went for an engineering degree? Probably. Um, she may have learned a little bit more about capital projects. Now she's really good at her job. I'll, I'll attest. She is very good at her job. Uh, probably better than I am. We we do somewhat of the same job uh better than I am, okay? She's very good at her job. But could she have spent that money in a different way and gotten the same result? Yeah. Uh and it probably would have been a little bit more useful to her. I know a lot of people like this. I again, I am like this. I work in capital projects. I work with people that have healthcare administration degrees. Okay? Maybe it would have been a little bit more of a benefit to me. I probably could have gotten a business degree in a year and a half uh and then had gotten uh, an MBA in the time that I got my bachelor's degree. Uh, I guarantee business classes cake. I guarantee I could have done 18 credit hours of business every single semester, had it all smashed and done, and then gone and got an MBA in the time that I got my bachelor's degree. Okay, I could have done that. Um, 100%, I've already done MBA classes. They're not hard. So maybe I wasted money on college. Maybe I didn't. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to tell you is to go into college with a purpose, uh, go in there and make sure that you leverage it. Uh, your degree can be an asset. My degree is an asset. Okay, my degree, those letters by my name. I don't even know if I have letters. It's like B S E T something or other. I don't even put the letters behind my name. Uh, if you do, you're 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 a doofus. Okay, uh, unless it's like M D. But even at that point, who cares? Like, what kind of person are you? Uh, I, I don't I don't even agree with the the M D behind their name. I don't know. Maybe that's because I'm not a doctor. Maybe I'm I'm silly. Maybe if I was a doctor, I would put M D behind my name. But, um. I think unless it's in a professional setting, it why? Why would you do that? Those letters don't mean anything. Tell me about the kind of person you are. Uh, anyway, sorry. My degree is an asset, okay? My degree is an asset because it allows me to get these jobs that pay me a lot of money uh, that I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have my degree. So is college usually a waste of money? Yeah, if you do it wrong, okay? I think that's all I've got for you guys. Man, I've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, that probably got really rambly. Uh, Probably got really senile there for a little bit. Uh, But as I said, I'm very passionate about this. I love this yes or no. Uh, I absolutely love, love, love this topic. Uh, If you listen to this, the person that gave me an idea, I really enjoy it. Uh, These three cards, what do we talk about? Today, college is usually a waste of time and money. Uh, Yes, if you don't do it right. Liberty is the ability to do what you wish, but the right is not the ability. Sorry, liberty is not the ability to do what you wish, but the right to do what you ought endorse okay agree debt can be an important part of building wealth i don't know uh is it an asset or is it a liability guys you've gotten everything that i can give you today uh i think this was a a really good episode and i really appreciate uh you tuning in we are coming up mind-blowing we're coming up on one year at the end of this month we're coming we're going to have a one-year podcast it's going to be such a special podcast i'm not going to tell you the plans that we've got uh for the one-year podcast but it's going to be it's going to be something different Uh, it's going to be a really special podcast. I can't believe I've been doing this for a year. Uh, that's kind of wild how fast a year goes. I can't believe I'm not getting paid for it yet either. Uh, we got to fix that at some point, but that'll be in the future. Um, no, I really appreciate all the support. Uh, I appreciate all the support. I do this because I feel like it helps people. Uh, I do this. Well, I know it helps people because they tell me that it helps them. Uh, I do this because I know it helps people. Uh, and I do this because you guys listen, I do it when I post Uh, nothing feels better than posting, uh, somebody like Alex from the leaderless gentleman on there and having all these guys that support Alex, come on there and be like, man, I really like what you're doing. This is so cool. Uh, they like the question that I'm asking. They like the the premise of the podcast alone. Uh, and I know there are people on here. I I can say with almost 100% confidence that there are people that listen to my episodes regularly now, uh, that I don't know in real life. And that is just, it's an odd feeling to me. This started as me sending this out to everybody and hoping that they liked me enough to listen. Uh, and now there are people that I don't know that are listening to this. And again, I don't look at my numbers, but I know, uh, I know for a fact that somebody right now is listening to this that I've never met before. Uh, and if that's you, number one, go hit me up on Instagram and say, hey man, I really enjoy what you're doing because uh, I'm going to keep doing it. But uh, I really appreciate it, guys. I appreciate y'all following me. I appreciate y'all liking my stuff. Uh, Again, I'm at the underscore purpose podcast. Uh, We're going to keep going up guys, this and the one flesh podcast. uh, We're going to change things. And whether it's just one person or millions of people, uh, however big this, this ends up growing, I know that I've changed at least one person's life uh, and that would be mine. And I know that it's helped my marriage. uh, It's helped all of my friendships. So it's already changing a bunch of lives just through changing me. So I appreciate it guys. And I'll catch you on the one flesh podcast this Wednesday. Thanks.